Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Okay, so uh, last week, as we talked about the relationships, stronger relationships, we focused on stronger women. And so today we're going to focus on how do we make stronger men? Part of the message last week was pointing out the obvious that men and women are, they're a little different. Uh, A lot of you have given me material to potentially use for these messages. Thank you very much for being my research team. Uh, one One of them was sent to me I'd like to share with you. The question is, is a computer male or female? A Spanish teacher was explaining to her adult class that in Spanish, unlike English, nouns are designated as either masculine or feminine. House, for instance, is feminine, la casa. Pastor Ed, help me with all the pronunciations today, all right? Uh, So pencil, however, is masculine, el lapiz. A student asked, well then, what gender is the word computer? Well, instead of giving the answer, the teacher split the class into two groups, male and female. And she asked them to decide for themselves whether or not the word computer is masculine or feminine. Each adult group was asked to give four reasons for its recommendation. All right, so the men's group decided that computers should definitely be feminine in gender. And the reason why is because, number one, no one but their creator understands their internal language. (laughs) If you don't laugh, this doesn't work, all right? Number two, the native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. (laughs) Number three, even the smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for possible later retrieval. (laughs) Number four, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories for it. (laughs) All right, so the ladies decided that Computers should definitely be masculine, first of all, because in order to do anything with them, you have to turn them on. (laughs) Number two, they have a lot of data, but they still can't think for themselves. (laughs) Number three, they're supposed to help you solve problems, but half the time they are the problem. It's amazing how women can finish my sentences. Number four, as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you'd waited a little longer, you could have gotten a better model. <laughs> all right. And of course, the women won. All right. Computer is male. Now, why, why did God do this? Why did God create us so different? And of course, it's on purpose. He said he created in his image both male and female, male and female are the image of God. And so we've been discussing the fact that the reason we were created differently is so that we could learn to love each other the way Jesus loves us. And Jesus loves us by laying his life down for us. 
So if we're going to have strong relationships, we too have to learn to lay our lives down in order for us to have stronger families, stronger marriages, stronger relationships with our kids, stronger relationships with our parents, stronger relationships with everyone around us. We can't be selfish and expect to have strong relationships. We've got to learn to love like Jesus. And so last week, our message was, what do women need from us in order to be stronger? And we talked about the fact that a woman needs unconditional love, uh, a woman needs communication and security. So men uh, are a little bit simpler. We really need one thing, and it's not what you're thinking. (laughs) A man's number one need is honor. Now, let's, let's look at God's word here. Mark chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that he's been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And the Bible says they took offense at him. So here's Jesus going all over everywhere doing miracles and doing wonderful things. He comes back to his hometown and is like, hey, we know this guy. He's Jesus. And the Bible says they were offended for him, at him. So Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without what? This is a conversation about honor. A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. And look at this. He could not do any miracles there. It doesn't say he would not do any miracles there. It says he could not. Wow. I didn't know we had any ability to limit the power of God. Well, apparently, dishonor limits what God can do in our lives. Now pause for a moment and think about our culture that we live in, a culture of dishonor, and we wonder why we don't see God moving in more powerful ways. That's totally free, right? He could not do any miracles there. Jesus was fully God and fully man. He operated in faith the way we're supposed to operate in faith, but the Bible says because they did not honor him, their dishonor of Jesus prevented him from doing great things in them. If dishonor hindered Jesus when he was a man, could dishonor hinder the men in your life from doing great things? It's possible that you're living with a great man, but without honor, he may be hindered from doing what God has called him to do and being empowered to be all that God has called him to be. Now, uh, this is a message for all of us, both men and women, but I think this is uh, particularly important for every lady in the audience because I think that in many ways, it's a woman who holds the keys to a man's heart. A wife holds the keys to her husband's heart. In many ways, a mom holds a key to her son's heart. A sister holds a key to her brother's heart. 
And honor is the number one need uh, that a man has. And it has the power to change a man's life. Focus on the Family created a curriculum called The Family Project, from which this quote comes, good men aren't born, they're made. And they're made by their fathers and their mothers and their teachers and their families and their churches and their cultures. Now, another great example of this is in the Old Testament, the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6. So let me set up this story for you uh, so we can talk about honor for a minute. So uh, remember the people of God, God called Israel out of Egypt. They possessed the promised land. They didn't fully obey the Lord's commands. And so as a result, uh, they are surrounded by their enemies. And so the enemies of Israel are raiding Israel's farms, burning their crops. They're, they're terrorizing basically the people of Israel. And so this is the time during the judges in the Old Testament, and this is, this is when this happens, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And so, so here's Gideon, he's hiding, and he's hiding the harvest, trying to keep it from being stolen. And so when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now I want you to pause for a minute and put yourself in Gideon's shoes. You're hiding, and here comes his angel. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How would you respond? Here's how Gideon responded. Pardon me? <laughs> Pardon me, my Lord, what? Uh, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up uh, out of Egypt? Uh, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, of, of Midian. So remember, Gideon is hiding there. He's, he's afraid. And here comes this angel calling him a mighty warrior. You are chosen by God to do great things. And Gideon's response is, uh, me? Who me? Pardon me, God? He's whining a little bit. God, you didn't do this. You didn't say this. So watch this. So Gideon is questioning God, and he's questioning himself. He goes on in verse 15. He says to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So after the angel calls him out, Gideon is doubting who he is and what God has called him to do. Basically, Gideon is, is unsure of himself. Mark Gunger has been here a couple of times uh, in our, a marriage conference. He wrote in his book, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage, that most women are not aware of this, but the majority of men feel very unsure of themselves. In a recent survey, 75% of men admitted they feel like an imposter. Many spend their entire lives fighting the voices in their head that constantly shout, you don't really know what you're doing. It's just a matter of time before everyone discovers that you're a fake, you're a fraud. A man's home should be the one place in his life where these voices are silenced, where he's assured he is wonderful and competent. Sadly, for millions of men, their home is a place where the voices of criticism are amplified not silenced. 
I heard one woman say to her husband, who had just received a special plaque at an awards banquet, everyone thinks you're so great, but I know what an idiot you are. Every man needs an angel calling out the warrior inside of him. Every man needs an angel doing in their life what this angel did for Gideon. Now, for some guys, it's your mom. For some guys, it's your wife. For some, it might be your sister. Hopefully, it's all of the above. But it doesn't just have to be a woman in your life. It could be your coach. It could be your teacher. It could be your boss. But I, I personally believe that ladies are more equipped to do this better than anybody else. But the problem is, our culture does not believe this at all. And some women wanting to see their husbands or their sons or the men in their lives be better make the mistake of insulting them in an attempt to get them to change. And they say, what's the matter with you? Why can't you be more like so-and-so? And the problem is women who assume this, uh, they think their criticisms are properly received by men and that as a result of the criticism that surely men will rise to the challenge and, and become better men. But it's actually the opposite that is true, that those types of criticisms and rejections only create anger and frustration and men tend to shut down. Which is why this verse is in the Bible. Proverbs 21, verse 9, it's better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. Be careful, guys. Sensitive moment. I think this verse is simply reinforcing what God is saying. Ladies, if you want your husband, your sons, your brothers, your bosses, your co-workers, the men in your life to respond to you, criticism is not the way to do it. Honor is. I always share uh, our messages with our pastors uh, before I preach them. And so Matthias, Pastor Matthias helped me with this verbiage that honor elevates, but dishonor deflates. Honor elevates, but dishonor deflates. See, the whole world can think your husband is the best of the best at this or that or the other. But if his wife doesn't think so, all of the accolades mean very little. I'm trying to tell you that nothing can replace the honor that a woman brings to a man. What will a man, guys, what will a man do for a woman who honors him? Anything. I didn't coach the guys, but I heard it all over the room. You'll do anything for a woman that honors you. One of the... Uh, one of my favorite things that Tracy says about me over the years is she said, she says, I married a winner. I'm going to tell you what, of those moments, I will run through a troop. I will leap over a wall shouting hallelujah. I will run through a brick wall for you because I married a winner. That, there's something about that that makes me want to rise to the moment, to the honor, because honor elevates, right? Now, I realize, ladies, that a lot of you are going to have to do this by faith. You're going to have to give honor before it's earned. But isn't that what the angel did for Gideon in this story? 
Gideon was afraid. Gideon was hiding. And yet in that moment, the angel says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And see, this is actually the heart of God. Because all throughout the Bible, we see God honoring people before they deserve it. We see God calling people certain things before they actually are those things. Think about Abraham. Abraham was so cowardly in the Old Testament, he tells his wife, Sarah, hey, lie to people and tell them uh, you're my sister and not my wife because you're so beautiful. If they find out that you're my wife, they're going to kill me. Abraham was a coward. Yet God didn't call Abraham a coward, did he? God called Abraham a man of faith. And oh, by the way, God called Abraham a father of many nations before he even had a child. What did Abraham become? Exactly what God called him, a man of faith. And guess what? Abraham became the father of many nations. God gave Abraham the respect and honor that was due, him, that was due a patriarch long before he ever became one. Here's Gideon. God looked inside Gideon and saw what, was, what he was capable of, and he called it out at him. Long before he was worthy of the title, the angel says, you're a mighty warrior. And guess what? That's exactly what Gideon became. Think about the New Testament. What about Simon Peter? Simon Peter is a flip-flopping emotional guy with an anger problem. He's not sure of himself. He says stupid stuff. and He's got a tendency to fly off the handle. Don't raise your hand if you identify with that. But the same guy who said, hey, I'm going to die with Jesus is the same guy who wilted under the peer pressure of a teenage girl at Jesus's trial when she says, aren't you one of those guys? He says, absolutely not. He denies Jesus. And yet this is the same guy that Jesus in a conversation said, Simon, your name is now Peter. The original word is Petra, which means rock. You are the rock, Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Is that who Peter was at that moment? No, at least he wasn't exhibiting any signs of it. But guess what happened to Peter? He became the rock on which Jesus Christ built his church. You see, God treats people with respect and honor before we deserve it. And if there ever was a person who had a right to disrespect men and women for their performance, it would be God because God is perfect and he's intimately aware of all of our flaws and all of our lack of character. And yet God calls out the best in all of us. Why? So that we will become who he says we are. It's really quiet in here. You must be thinking about what I'm saying. You know, I, I don't know how to explain it and I, I don't quite understand all of it, but the reality is, is that God has created particularly, particularly in men the need for affirmation. If you've read uh, Gary Chapman's book, a lot of you have heard about it, The Five Love Languages, you know, that everybody gives and receives love in one of five languages, giving gifts, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and acts of service. Uh, he states in the book that the majority of men, again, not 100% of all men, but generally the majority of men, their two primary love languages are physical touch and words of affirmation. So God has innately wired us this way. And so it's kind of sad, guys, but really we're a lot like dogs. 
<laughs> Isn't that right? Really, what you, ladies, treat him like a dog. Treat us like dogs. Pat us on the head. It's a good boy. It's a, mess our hair up. Oh, it's a good boy. Rub our belly. Really touch us anywhere. We're going to be happy, all right? You know, that's a good boy. You're a good boy. We will respond. We'll do flips for you. Isn't that right? That's the revelation right there. Treat us like dogs. See, the, I, I think if we're honest, every man here, every man watching online, is we're probably a lot like Gideon. We're unsure of ourselves. And we need an angel to call us out, call out the warrior inside of us. Can I talk to parents for a second, especially if you have boys? Boys are different than girls. And can I, can I equip you parents? There are three things that your sons need to hear from both mom and dad, especially dad, but both mom and dad. I love you, I'm proud of you, you have what it takes. Why are those powerful? Because when Jesus was baptized, the voice of God came down and said, this is my son whom I love and him I am well pleased. Those are powerful words for us to speak over our sons. Now, you say, hold on a second, pastor, does that, you know, uh, I'm married to a guy who is messing up, making bad decisions. Listen, that doesn't mean you can't challenge the men in your life, ladies. Challenge them. Encourage them to be more than they are. Uh, moms especially, don't create little boys who are, uh, who are adults but can never take responsibility. Challenge them with respect and call out the warrior inside of them. If you've got a teenage or young adult son that's lazy, doesn't take responsibility, don't coddle him, don't babel him, baby him. You say, you are better than that. I know you can be better. God has called you to something else. Don't settle for mediocrity when God has called you to excellence. Your words are powerful. Don't tolerate inappropriate behavior in, in, in the men in your life. Call them out. So, uh, I, I'm hoping that this message can be as practical as possible. So let me give you five ways uh, to help st make stronger men. Five ways to honor men in your relationships. Uh, number one, honor with your words. Words are powerful, right? The Bible says life and death are in the power of your tongue. Here's what we know. Men will rise to the level of honor that they receive. Remember, honor elevates. Now, there's an old saying that says, behind every great man is a surprised wife. <laughs> but what it should say is behind every great man is an honoring wife. Now, because this is so foreign to our culture, uh, we need to be coached in how to do this because we live in a culture of dishonor where it slams and cuts and criticisms and, and degrading. Uh, can I tell you that our culture hates strong men? Hates it. But we have to go against the culture, right? So ladies, let me give you some verbiage for your husbands, your sons, your brothers, all the men in your life. Are you ready? You're a great dad. You're a great husband. Or son, I believe in you. You make me proud to be your wife. You make me proud to be your sister, to be your mother. I love sharing my life with you. I'm glad you are mine. And, and this is 
only when you're serious should you say something like this, ladies. I feel sorry for all the women who are looking for a perfect husband since he's already married to me. <laughs> only a king like you can make his wife feel like a queen. Thank you for making me the queen of your life. Ladies, I promise you, it may, it may feel like nails coming out of your mouth when you say it. But if you say it with your heart, you're going to see something change in your man's life. Something's going to begin to rise up inside of him to become that which you are calling him out to be. Yeah. Honor with your words. Speak highly of him in front of other people. You want to multiply that effect that I just talked about? Don't just say those things to him. Save him in front of other people, especially in front of other guys. You'll begin to multiply that uh, power in their life. Remember Proverbs 31, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman describing a virtuous woman. One of the things that it says in Proverbs 31 that her husband is respected in the city gate. Do you know why he's respected? Because she's speaking well of him. She's honoring him. And of course, uh, this is the opposite, which too many in our culture do. Instead of speaking highly of him in front of other people, we tear him down in front of other people. We, uh, we talk about his shortcomings in front of other people. We belittle him in front of uh, other people. And can I tell you that when you do that, you're dishonoring a man and you are deflating him. Dishonor, honor elevates, dishonor deflates. I heard somebody put it this way. A man would rather take a literal punch to the face from another guy rather than to receive a dishonoring statement from his wife. And of course, one of the reasons is that men are not tough emotionally. As tough emotionally as women. Now, and again, in a general sense, not 100% true, but in a general sense, men are typically physically stronger than women. But emotionally, uh, women tend to be emotionally stronger than men. And the best illustration I can give of that is that's why God chose women to have babies. Because <laughs> men are babies. <laughs> right? That, it takes some toughness to go through what our moms went through to have us. Come on, guys. I mean, literally, she risked her life for us, so that we could have life. And so uh, part of that is the fact that women tend to be more emotionally tough and more emotionally available. Guys tend to be emotionally shallow. When we have conversations, we're typically not talking about our feelings. And we're typically not talking about uh, the types of things that women, again, in a general sense, tend to talk about. Guys tend to talk about shallow things like sports. Is Carson Wentz going to start today? Let's hope so. Well, actually, let's pray that the offensive line had a revival, came to Jesus this last week so the guy won't get killed. All the guys just woke up, oh, he's talking about football. Guns. When's hunting season begin, right? Have you put up your tree stand yet? Cars, you know, hey, you know, and then more sports. Guys, we, we tend to talk about shallow things, generally. Women tend to talk a little bit deeper, and so men are not as tough emotionally. And so we need to know that. And if we want to honor the men in our life, it's helpful to choose to enjoy what he enjoys. Now, my wife is, uh, uh, my wife, thank God, 
just want to clarify that. She had two boys. So God saw fit to give her two boys and me. And so uh, she has driven golf carts way more than she wanted. And not because she loves golf. She hates it. She doesn't like it. But she'll do it to enjoy what we enjoy. Are you getting this? There's a book called, uh, uh, what's the book called? The book is called His Needs, Her Needs. And it points out that one of the greatest needs a man has from his wife is recreational companionship. We need to do stuff together. And again, our culture is going away from this. There's a lot of young married couples who are being taught, you go do your thing, I'll go do my thing. And that's okay to at some point, but we've got to be super careful that we're not becoming living separate lives. Let's choose to enjoy what each other enjoys. See, Tracy drives a golf cart. Tracy will watch the game with me, but I watch Hallmark. And I try really hard not to make fun of the fact that the plots are the same. They're just different. (laughs) By the way, Christmas movies begin November 1st. (laughs) You're welcome. The Bible says no greater love has anyone than this, than he laid down his life. That's what I'm talking about. You say, well, I don't like to do that. I don't want to do that. Lay down your life. That's what relationships are all about. Uh, Here's the last one. Men want to live in houses where they're praised. Now, remember, I talked about Psalm 22, verse 3 earlier. Uh, God is enthroned in the praises of Israel. Uh, We say it this way. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So God dwells where there is his praise. Watch this. We are made in the image of God. We too like to live where we are praised. Men particularly will always gravitate to the place where they're being praised. If it's at home, they want to be at home. If it's at work, you're going to find themselves finding reasons to be at work. If it's at a bar, and of course we don't recommend that at all, but one of the reasons that happens is because that's where they're praised. They're always going to gravitate to the place where they're being praised. Men want to live in houses where they're praised. And of course, uh, 2 Peter says that Sarah called Abraham Lord. Um, Here's what people are thinking. Well, you know, if I was married to Abraham, I'd praise him too. But I'm married to Jim Bob, and he's about to kill us all. (laughs) Here's Here's what I'm telling you. He will rise to the level of your praise. Honor him, not for where he is, but where he needs to be where God wants him to be, and what you're going to see is transformation. It'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your family. It'll change all of your relationships. Is this going to be easy? No. It's very difficult. Again, because our culture says the exact opposite. But this is God's word, and the Bible says, let God be true, and everyone else is a liar. Uh, Emerson Egrix is somebody we've talked about a little bit around here. He, he and his wife wrote the book, Love and Respect. Here's what he says. The man with basic goodwill wants to serve his wife. 
and he would even die for her. When his wife shows him unconditional respect, in most cases, he will feel like a prince and be motivated to show her the kind of unconditional love she desires. So we talked about last week that a woman's need is unconditional love. A man's number one need is honor. And so uh, he'll feel like a prince and be motivated to show her the kind of unconditional love she desires. She is a princess who is loved. What he's saying is that God has designed us each to meet each other's needs, which requires us to lay our lives down, to love each other the way Jesus loves us. Again, I shared this message with our pastors before I preach it to you. And so uh, when I was sharing this, Pastor Allison, our kids pastor, said, did you know that Dr. Egricks is currently trending on TikTok? And the reason he's trending is because he's being criticized as being sexist for saying stuff like this. Because there is a toxic brand of feminism in our culture that says if I honor a man in any way, somehow that is devaluing a woman. Or if that I honor a man in any way, that I am losing power. And this is where we have to be super careful about not drinking the Kool-Aid of our culture. And recognizing that this is God's plan. This is God's heart. This is God's way. You see, because uh, that's how relationships work, right? See, the gospel is countercultural. It's not just about women honoring men. It's also about men serving women. We serve one another. That's the gospel of Jesus. That's how relationships work. Anything else is a counterfeit. This is the way it works. But I think what today's message and last week's message has in common is this, is if we're truly going to have strong relationships, both men and women, then we have to choose to love the way Jesus loves us. And again, it's not easy. We have to go against the tide. And Jesus, uh, in Galatians, the apostle Paul described it this way, that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me. And how did he love me? He gave himself for me. So the key to living having strong relationships is to live a crucified life. Let me, let me make it simple to you. Jesus, when he invites us to become part of his family, yes, we become sons and daughters. Yes, we become adopted into the household of God. Yes, we get eternal life forever and always in heaven with Jesus. Awesome. But it also is an invitation to be crucified. And by, not physically crucified, obviously, but to lay your life down. That's what salvation is. I like to use the word surrender when it comes to salvation because I'm not just adding Jesus to my life. Jesus is not my homeboy. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. My life is yours. I surrender. And can I tell you that if you're trying to serve Jesus any other way, it's probably not working. You're probably not seeing the fruit in your life that you want to see. You're probably not seeing the effect on your life that you need to see. Why isn't that? Perhaps it's because we've, we bought into a very watered down version of the crucified life. When Jesus makes it clear, if any man wants to follow me, he's got to lay his life down. If you haven't done that, can I tell you? Not only is it going to change your life, it's going to change the relationships around you. 
So would you bow your head and close your eyes for just one moment? And I'd like to ask if you're here today, if you're watching online and you say, Pastor, I, I haven't surrendered. I'm not following Jesus like that. Today, you can decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to him. I want to live the crucified life. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Yes, I want to be God's son. I want to be the daughter of God. But I realize it's an invitation to surrender. And today I want to surrender for the first time or for the first time in a long time. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, remember he's convicting you because he loves you. He's calling you to become better than you are. He's actually calling you to become a brand new version of who you are. He doesn't want to rehabilitate you. He wants to transform you, which is why the Bible says you must be born again. If you want that to happen in your life, I want to invite you to take the first step, which is a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Men, women, students, whoever you are, you can decide to serve Jesus today, to surrender to Jesus today. If that's you, would you pray this prayer with me? And those around you are going to pray out loud to help you. But if you're praying this and you mean it with all of your heart, I want you to pray a little bit louder than everybody else. Would you pray this way? Dear Jesus, I surrender. My life is yours. I confess you're in charge. You are the Lord of my life. I agree with you. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. From this day forward, Jesus is my Lord. Holy Spirit, would you come into my life and change me in every way? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, if that's you and you prayed just now and you mean business with God, would you please let us know, either on the connection card that you're going to turn in here in just a moment, or maybe at the information tent on your way out as well. But please let us know so that we can pray for you. We can encourage you in your walk with God. All right. So two, th two more things I want to say, and then we're going to uh, have a baby dedication here in just a moment. But to all of the ladies uh, that are here today, uh, it's not easy what I'm challenging you to do today. But how many know with God's help, it's possible? It's possible. So ladies, reject the spirit of the age and choose to be the voice of God. Choose to be the angel at your house. Choose to be the angel where you live, where you work, wherever you go. Amen? Guys, here's my challenge to you. Don't you dare go out of this place and say, well, you know, if I had a woman who spoke to be like that. Don't you, don't you even dare do that. Remember the message from two weeks ago, sin brings blame. Don't you go out of here blaming anybody else for you but you. You rise to the moment. You rise to God's expectations of you, to what God says about you. Are you hearing me today, guys? And listen, the whole world hates you. The whole world is against you becoming a man of God. 
But here I am today calling out the man of God in every single one of you. I'd like to ask every guy to stand up in this room. And if you're watching online, if you can, I want you to stand up because today I want to be the angel. We all want to be the angel calling out the warrior. So may God's power, may God's spirit, may God's anointing rest on you in every way. May you be free of every bondage and free from everything that holds you back. May you be a man of God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. May the spirit of hell be broken off of you. May generational curses be broken off of you. And may the spirit of God come upon you like Gideon. And you are a warrior. You are a warrior in the kingdom of God. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, give it up for all the guys. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.